Here by the Owl podcast is a podcast for owlets and wise owls alike. Join hosts Nikki Fiddle-Eye-Doll and Brianna Briegel along with rotating owls from across the country as they discuss what it takes to advise from time to time. Our podcast is fueled by the true knowledge from empowering agricultural education instructors and ripen with the wisdom you will never learn in a textbook. Welcome back to another episode of Here by the Owl podcast. Today, we're going to talk about one of my favorite things, which is escape rooms. Brianna's not with us because at the time we're recording this, she's in Europe with her husband. She didn't take us with, so Brian and I are a little upset. So it's just Brian and I talking about escape rooms, um, which is something Brianna and I love to do as as a hobby and we create lots of them for a classroom but there's only one person in the world that's better than them at them than us and that's brian so <laughs> before we get into the nitty-gritty brian why don't you introduce yourself uh tell everybody listening where you teach and a little bit about your program absolutely well first thank you guys for having me on i'm super humbled at the ex- uh, the exposure here and at the experience in and of itself i'm definitely not the best at escape rooms but i'll give you what insight i can Um, So I'm Brian Welch. I teach out of Kentucky, out of the western part of the state from a school called Madisonville North Hopkins High School. This is my seventh year of teaching. And so kind of in that mid-range early career in and of itself. I teach mainly the construction classes. Uh, This year I added like an agribiology course as well. And then we are a three teacher program hitting about 25% of our student population, which is about 1200 kids. Um, we've had Brian on the podcast before talking about, um, his premier chapter, um, lots of great things coming out of his program. So, um, this is just the one thing that I think anyone can do and escape rooms are, they can be really complicated. They can be really simple and kids really like to solve puzzles. Mm -hmm. So, um, when we talk about implementing them in your classroom, Brian, what, I guess, how, like, how do you do that? Where do you even start implementing them? Yeah. So I first got introduced to escape rooms themselves through the NAAE AgriScience Ambassador Training. So Wes Crawford is the guy that kind of planted that seed in my head, um, which I know anybody who gets the chance or has already had that chance to go to that training, it is definitely a game-changing PD in and of itself. For escape rooms at my school, I've done them in a lot of different content areas. I've done them in some of my introduction classes. Uh, Whenever I used to teach vet science, I've done them in those. I've even done them in my construction classes, which I know can kind of have that intimidation factor for some teachers because, you know, usually that type of student, you may not think that they would even be that engaged in something like this. But like you said, all students like that ability to kind of problem solve And especially if it's their ability to kind of show what they know or show that they can do something right in that sort of challenging way. Um, The first day of school for us, um, I actually do an escape room that teaches the different procedures in my classroom. So, for example, how do we use hall passes? Where do you put your cell phones? Where do you keep your notebooks? And so the from that point, I kind of scaffold them up depending on the class itself. I've done some over GMOs. I've done some over. Um, like a vet science ones that kind of teach some of the more practical skills as well. And then even some just as a review in those construction type classes. 
I think that, you know, the real important thing to remember when you're trying to figure out, can I use an escape room? Should I use one? And where do I begin? You need to have the, the blended purpose of two things. A, you want to make sure that it is going to help either reinforce or teach some content, but at the same time, be fun. And it's kind of a seesaw going back and forth throughout the entire lesson in and of itself. I know that I've got some friends that have tried escape rooms, but they're too much on the fun side. They don't really teach anything. And then it's just kids just playing games so they get candy at the end. Whereas I've even created some that are too much on the content driven side and too difficult for students. So it totally loses that purpose of that engagement piece. Um, and so a couple big things with it, again, are to kind of balance out what do you want to teach? What do you want kids to get out of it? And then think about what they need to be successful um, in order to maybe solve the overall riddle that you're trying to present them with. And so with the one that I use for the first day lesson, all I want kids to get out of that is what are my expectations? Where do you put your notebook? Where do you put your phone? And then how do cell phone policies work? And so as I'm creating the ultimate goal for that one, it's again to wrap their minds around my procedures and each phase of the room or each phase of the breakout lockboxes are going to be something that is either a riddle to kind of answer that or going to kind of expose them by making them move around the room to where their notebooks would be at. Oh, here's where the next code's at at that location or so on and so forth. Now, I mean, basically you're saying you kind of have to start with the end in mind yeah, when, pl when planning them. So if you don't have a clear objective, it's really hard to create escape rooms because you don't know what path to take but if you know what you you want them to get at the, at the end then you can you can build your escape room from there um and you mentioned a few areas that you've used them so what list off like all the content areas that you've used them or, or classes that you've used them in sure yeah and so the classes that I've used them, like I said, my first day lesson is with all of my classes. So no matter what I'm teaching there, uh, all of them will get an exposure to that. In my introductory classes, when we talk about GMOs, I have one for that. Uh, my vet science classes, the first year that I got involved with breakout boxes and escape rooms, I probably was really heavy in my vet science one. So I made a lot to kind of go with those resources as well. And then more recently, now that I'm mainly responsible for the construction pathway, I'll use them as a way to review in a lot of my construction type classes. Now, it's hard because depending on the size of your class, student engagement can be a challenge in an escape room. So how do you make sure that you're, you're creating an atmosphere um, that, that everyone can participate? Because if you have a class of 15 and they're trying to also solve the same puzzle, you're going to have a lot of kids just sitting and doing nothing. So walk us through how you you lay this out so everyone is engaged. Oh, absolutely. First, I think part of that comes with just the culture of your classroom. If you've got, on, you know, 90% of the time, you've got three kids that are involved, the rest of them aren't involved. It's going to be probably hard for you to get them engaged in something as potentially challenging as an escape room. And so the prep work kind of comes even before you present that first one. Um, but I've presented escape rooms in a couple ways. Before COVID, I had groups divided into groups of three. Each of them got their own toolbox that was locked with some different locks, and they had pencil pouches inside of them that you could also lock. That way, it was just those three students 
who are working with that one box trying to get to that goal. So they kind of almost block out the rest of the class because it's just those three trying to solve the one riddle. Um, and the resources, I've got a Scooby-Doo, Don't Kill Scooby, which helps to reinforce like medical terminology, calculating dosages for medicines for a vet science class. And that's how that one's really structured. Um, other ways that I've done them, very similar to the first day lesson that I do, I've got where all students basically are, again, divided out with just a partner. They're given the first clue, which is usually like a word search. Or they've got to go through a maze, which spells out a phrase that they have to be able to decipher and then do the action that it deciphers. And so with those, what happens is I'll have some students that are very quick to get it. And they're going to go ahead and move on to the next phase. And they're kind of self-contained in and of themselves, kind of self-motivators, which the freedom of this allows me to be in the background, kind of helping those students that aren't as good. You know, if you or maybe just not as engaged right now, or maybe aren't just letting it click because they just weren't ready for something like that. You know, very similar to if you do an actual escape room or breakout room, you've got the hints and stuff that you can give um, to groups that need mm -hmm. it. And you've got some groups that they don't need a hint at all. They can just work it through. And so kind of um, that's one way to try to keep that engagement piece. Again, you also have to remember as a teacher, you've got to scaffold it up. I can't give my hardest breakout room to a group of brand new students on the first day. And so that very first breakout room, no matter if it's a really good class or if it's a not as high performing class, make it a little bit easier to where it is kind of just, okay, piece together this puzzle, you're good to go, go on to the next step. And then as you work on to maybe more with that same group of students, you can start increasing the challenge of the problem solving that has to come to play. Yeah, I think it's when making them, sometimes it's hard because you know the answer. So it's easy to be like, oh, they're going to get this. But a simple way to make an escaper more challenging is to just simply hide things in your room. Mm -hmm. um, and if you want to make it simpler, have all of the resources on a table and say, you don't have to find anything in the room. It's all right here. If you want to make it even simpler than that, color code everything. So everything on blue paper goes together. Everything on red paper goes together. Um, those are just simple ways that you can add that scaffolding in so they know, okay, well, everything on blue paper is for this one lock with the blue mm -hmm. color on it. So now, you know, they can work through that way. Um, so you, you don't honestly even have to make the puzzles more complex because once you start to do them, you'll realize like something as simple as, you know, I don't know, using the alphabet backwards and then spelling mm -hmm. something out when the kids don't know what they're doing, it, it's hard. Um, oh, yeah. And so that's why starting with a simple, simple one helps you too, because you're facilitating it. If they ask for a clue, you have to be able to be paying attention. So you know where they're at in the puzzles to be giving them a, a clue that's actually helpful. So um, that's why if you ever went to live escape rooms, they're watching you on cameras, not to make sure that you're following the rules necessarily, but most of all, so that when you say you need a clue, they can give you a clue um, that is at the point of where you're at in the game. Um, right. So those are things to consider um, when you're facilitating them. Um, smaller groups are better, I always think, um, because everyone's forced to be engaged, um, allowing them to use clues, the one thing that I wasn't great at right away, but started to do was recapping the escape room after. So even if you ran out of time in the day, the next day, even if they didn't break out, 
let's walk through all of these. Mm -hmm. um, how did you solve this? But then that's a great way to recap the actual content knowledge that you wanted them to have. Because if you bypass that, then what's the, you know, then they're just having fun. Right. And Brian, you mentioned that too much fun versus too much content. Um, but even if you want to like dip your toe in the water with, with escape rooms, have just a simple puzzle mm -hmm. uh, and they have to use content knowledge and just do them one a day for, for a week in a class. And so maybe they come and there's one lockbox with one four digit code on it and you give them one simple puzzle that's content related. So maybe it's, I don't know, um, the proper procedure of hand washing and they put that in order and it tells them the code and then they unlock it. Yes, it's not this big extravagant um, escape room truly, but they're still gonna have fun with that. For um, sure. So and I think just to kind of build on that too, a lot of us as teachers get overwhelmed with the concept of an escape room thinking that it's just this high class thing. It's just a fancier type of scavenger hunt. And yeah. all of us have been part of one or maybe even made one for like an FFA lock-in type thing or kind of easy event. And so very much so like that. And there's been lots of ones that I've done where it has just been a bell ringer on the board, solve the little code. We've done it with tape measures. And so like, tell me what these three measurements are. Those numbers are going to relate to the box right in front. And that's going to unlock the box. Um, anytime you can give kids a little bit of success, even if it's something really basic, it's going to make them more engaged for the next time you try it too. Yeah. And if they, if there's one lock box at the front and they have to solve something every day to get one more lock off and that anticipation of like Friday rolls around and they get to get the last lock off what's in there, they're going to have so much fun. So you can, you don't have to ease in. You don't have to do this massive room transformation. They're really great. Um, if you want to do things with your leadership team, your officer team, um, there's lots of leadership ones out there. Leadership ones, FFA related even, are are easy to create, um, easier to create. And so maybe start there if you're you know nervous to try them. I bet your officers will love them. So I think the key though, and Brian, you mentioned scaffolding, they have to have some success because if they don't have some success and it's super, super hard, they're going to give up. Even your great students. I have noticed though, that my students that were normally high flyers sometimes drug their feet because they actually had to work for this. Right. It's way easier to just do a review sheet for the test. It's a whole nother thing to do an escape room. And I would have some kids that would not do well at some things that they just understood the puzzles and it would blow people away. These are the kids that weren't normally engaged, things like that, because they just saw it differently. So it's really fun because you get to see a whole different side of your kids. Um, and that's what that what's that's what makes it engaging, too. So. Um, so I guess let's, let's dig deeper into the too much fun or too much content. So how do you make sure your students are actually applying content or learning the content in an escape room? Sure. Yeah. And you kind of hit on this earlier, as far as saying, keep that end in mind, as far as what do you want that end result to be, and then create your puzzles after that. I've worked with a few teachers at our school that try to make the puzzle, just try to make it fun, try to be as cool as I can. And like, okay, I can do this puzzle that relates to this content in and of itself. And so again, thinking of what you specifically want them to get out of it is going to be key in trying to make it to where they are learning while they're going. 
I've also realized that forcing them to kind of reflect in between each box or each clue is also going to be really important. And so you'll kind of see that with the Scooby-Doo resource that I've given there. Uh, basically, students, like I've said, are going to work through a few different phases as they review for their test. The first phase is for them to get a medical history. They're going to have to try to diagnose what those medical histories are based on the medical terminologies. Um, once they have reviewed those medical terms and been able to dissect what each part of that means um, from kind of those Latin roots, very similar to what you see in the Cornell uh, vet science handbook that a lot of teachers utilize, at least in Kentucky, um, they're going to move on to the next box, which is going to allow them to do some calculating of some dosages. So they're literally having to work through some math that we've already practiced in class. Um, again, very real world to the concepts that I'm trying to teach. But the final box, instead of them opening it up and it being like candy or being something like kind of that tangible item that they might want to take away, it's a quick sheet that a tells them if they were right or wrong because the final step is for them to pick the right medication for scooby-doo one of the medications kills scooby one of them keeps him alive and so if they pick the wrong one it gives a quick debrief hey this was wrong why do you think it was and then if they pick the right one it says hey congratulations um, why do you think it was correct and then we usually have them write that down in their notebooks that way if we do run out of time we can kind of come back into that next day like you had said um, but again, keeping the end result in mind, making sure that you're not just thinking of puzzles and trying to apply a puzzle to content, but think of content first and then try to get a puzzle that would match that really well. Yeah. Um, so if someone's really interested in, in maybe doing this, what are some supplies that you recommend teachers having to, to host an escape room in their classroom? Sure. So there's lots of options that are out there. If you have the funds for it, Breakout EDU is one resource that a lot of schools have utilized. It is going to basically be where you can buy specific kits that have the locks with them. They have a actual tangible box that you can lock really well. Um, but with us, we did not have that resource. I didn't know if we wanted to dive in that deep yet, which might be a lot of people listening in and of itself. And so I would recommend going out to your local hardware store, whether that be a actual like big box store like Lowe's or Home Depot, they all the time at the beginning of the school year, it seems like have that perfect sale of very cheap, very small um, toolboxes. And that's what I actually use for a primary source of mine. Um, they're a toolbox that you can put a lock on. They've got even secret compartments that you can hide more stuff in. It cost me maybe 10 bucks to build each box based on a $5 little overstock um, toolbox bought a lock from Walmart, and that's really all you need. Uh, you can spend a couple more dollars on some pencil pouches whenever it's again at the beginning of the school year because those are on sale for 50 cents. Um, I went ahead and bought like the black lights and you can get those markers and the black light pens themselves pretty cheap off of Amazon. Um, so, but really at the base value of it, if you just have some sort of box that you can lock, it's that reward of kids putting in some sort of code, getting that lock to open, and then opening up this box, it could be like just empty. It could be whatever else. The anticipation of just unlocking it. Oh my gosh. It's like, it's like watching them do it is so fun because mm -hmm. like the success, the joy that they have um, and the, and the kids that really know how to work as a team, it is just crazy. Like the support that they have and they'll start cheering each other on. It's just, just a really fun um tool to use in the classroom not something you're going to do 
all of the time, you're going to know right. as a teacher, you know, what, where is this most imp- appropriate? Um, and it's not going to be all the time. So mm-hmm. the, tw- the, the pencil pouches are one of my favorites because they're so cheap. You just got to make sure that obviously the zipper has a hole in it. And then on the one side, when it's closed, it has a loop or something on it that can lock to, um, you're going to obviously have to set some ground rules for your kids. Like don't force any of the locks open. Like they'll, you know, um, but if you have no money at all, you can use just Google forms with, um, uh, with passwords on there. And when they type them in incorrectly, it'll, you can program it to tell them that it's incorrect and you can program it to move them on when they are correct. So, I mean, Google is a beautiful tool um, and you can really test it out. You can do a hybrid so they could have, you know, maybe they have to use an iPad along with the physical items. Everything can be digital. I mean, these can look however you want them to. So um, when you do them in your classroom, so like the Scooby one that you, that you're sharing with everybody, um, don't kill Scooby is what Brian's called it. How do you set that one up in your room? And so that one's going to be set up. It's probably one of the more intricate ones to set up. And so that's one of the other almost pitfalls sometimes, depending on what type of breakout room you're trying to do. Um, if I'm doing this once, then it's perfectly fine. If I have like six classes of vet science and I'm having to do back to back to back to reset up the box, it makes it kind of difficult. Um, but with this box, so the layout of the Scooby one, basically I'll take those pencil pouches. I will almost work backwards from what students will experience it as. So I will take the end result sheets, I'll put those in the pencil pouches, lock those up, lock those in the main box, and then try to hide their clues around the room. Um, With that, the downfall of that one is gonna be the fact that if I have to teach it next period and I have five minutes to transition, if my students can't help me out, then I have to go around to each individual box and be able to set that up rather quickly. And so one thing that I've kind of learned to do over the years is, hey, use those students because they wanna be this class that won. And so for Don't Kill Scooby, the first class, let's say half of them get it right, half of them get it wrong. They're like, all right, you guys are gonna help me set this up for the next group, follow my instructions as we set this up and they'll do it. And they're not gonna tell their buddies how to solve it. And they're not gonna try to mess it up necessarily just because they wanna see that they are better than that next period class or that last period class that you've got. Um, the other way that I set up some of my breakout rooms or more or less the escape room type version kind of helps us out on the prep side of it. And so I might have three boxes in the front of the classroom that every student has to work through kind of chronologically as they go across. Um, And for that, I'll just put all the worksheets in the box that I need for the entire day. And so that way I'm not having to go back in between class and like reload everything. You lay out those ground rules that as soon as you open the lock and you get out what you need from the box, you lock it back, make sure you lock it back so nobody behind you can try to um, sneak and cheat the system. Um, and they're usually pretty good about that as well. They'll even tattle on each other when somebody tries to look over their shoulder. Um, and so there's really a couple ways that you can set those up. And again, my first time doing these, I tried to do where every student had their individual box. They each had like three or four things that were locked up. So they'd have to unlock those. Um, but it really does get taxing depending on, you know, how much setup that requires. So transitioning over to the, you know, I've got three or four boxes around the classroom itself. You guys will all have to unlock the same boxes. Um, definitely has helped out. Plus it moves them around a little bit more um, and they kind of interact with each other probably better, but. 
Yeah, and even color coding, I've done that in the past. So like, um, I'll tell them like, here's a piece of tape down the center of the room. Group A, you're on the left side. Group B, and you're on the right side. You're not going to cross that. Or um, I'll hide everything and color code it. So I'll say team blue, you only, like if there's not a blue sticker on mm -hmm. the clue that you found, leave it there because it's not your clue. Sure. Um, so that's another way you can do it. Um, if you're not hiding anything, you can just separate it via tables and just say like everything you need is on your table. So depending right, on the right. amount of kids that you have, the age of the kids, I mean that all, um, I had a lot of decorations in my room. So when I hid things, I didn't really truly hide them. Um, they were just hanging up and, you know, and even just them out in the open was hard for them to find. So I always said like, you're not going to have to open any, any doors or drawers. Um, mm -hmm. You can look under things. You don't need to climb on things. Um, and so you just have to set up your ground rules there. Um, if you're in a really blank room, so I, I hosted some escape rooms for about um, 60 kids at one time, and we were out in the gym. There's not a lot on the walls. So there really isn't anything to hide because like if I hung it up, like that's going to be mm -hmm. obvious. Um, and so um, they're like, you can put them under chairs, you can put it under tables, um, cutting things up into a puzzle, into a simple puzzle, then they piece it together. Um, you just get creative. So lots of good things there. Um, okay, so you shared your Don't Kill Scooby. So everybody listening, that is in our um, in our show notes, the link to that, and you'll get all those resources so you can do something similar um, to Brian. But what other resources out there that teachers can access to kind of get going on, on trying escape rooms? Sure. And so the best thing to do as an ag teacher is to steal other people's ideas. And so don't think that you have to start from scratch on any of these, even if the Don't Kill, Kill Scooby matches you at all. Um, I've seen lots of them about FFA history. You know, those dates are going to be really easy locks for people to be able to set yes. up. Um, some of these that you'll find, you know, might be very specific to what that one teacher teaches. You know, I might teach more on medical terminology where you might teach more on something else in a vet science class. Um, and so you can always get the skeleton from what you find from other teachers. And that might be on a site like um, Teachers Pay Teachers. You might find one or two on the Ag Ed Discussion Lab. Um, and so there are gonna be lots of those out there. The other thing that you can do, like if you're just trying to create your own, uh, would be to go out and maybe find a template, like a blank template. I know at one point Breakout EDU had kind of their skeleton that you could kind of plug and chug. Okay, this would be the code here. So what do I need to do to make that, that code? Um, and so there are some worksheets out there that you can also utilize just to kind of get your mind kind of laid out. Some of us are more logical thinkers. Some of us kind of need maybe that help. Um, I know most of mine were created on those long hour drives back and forth from Louisville, Kentucky for like our teachers conference or other things like that. So I had a lot of downtime when I first started making these, but if you're just busy and you don't have that time, again, steal the resources from either Teachers Pay Teachers or Ag Ed Discussion Lab or go off to um, Breakout EDU Maybe you just have seen one on Facebook and you just email that teacher. A lot of the times, um, you know, they'll at least help you set one up for yourself instead of you just having to struggle through one. So I want to, I did not tell Brian we we're going to do this, but okay, Brian, I'm going to give you, let's talk through. This is not scripted people. <laughs> okay. Let's say we're going to do the FFA creed. Okay. Gotcha. 
So FFA Creed, let's create just one puzzle with the FFA Creed to give people an idea. So we want to start with our end in mind. So what do we mm -hmm. want them to know about the Creed? Sure. And so if I was to do one real quick. <laughs> I'm really putting uh, them on the spot. No worries. Yeah. So I might take like the first paragraph of the Creed. You know, students are all about emojis. So maybe I'll replace some of the words of the Creed with emojis. Ooh, yes. Um, with the emojis that you've stolen. I don't know if there would be a way for you to, or maybe they have to decipher the words of the emoji and those are going to be part of the next clue. Oh yeah. Um, that could be part of like a word search or something of that nature. Maybe once they write those words out on a piece of paper, you provide them. Uh, don't kill Scooby has a worksheet like this where once they figure out the words they're supposed to get, they fill in the blanks. And one of the blanks on each word is bolded on the line that they write it on. And they have to correlate that with the alphabet. And so like, if it's an A, then that's a one because A is the first letter of the alphabet. If it's a D, it's a four, because uh, it's the fourth letter of the alphabet, so on and so forth. Um, and then they can just take that to the box and unlock it. Maybe it's just about, um, you know, kind of transitioning to a different type. Maybe you just want them to know the different facts about it. So it's like, how many sentences are in the, you just ask them questions. Mm -hmm. How many sentences are in the creed? You've got six. How many paragraphs? You've got five. Um, and so maybe you just kind of work it through logically that way. Um, you could ask them, you know, when was it revised for the second time? And maybe they have to find that date for you. Uh, those questions. Yeah, maybe you lay them like a, yeah, maybe you lay it like a manual. So they have all there the questions go. and now you have the FFA manual. So now they're using the FFA manual to answer these questions to then get into the locks. Sure. So now, you know, you can also use it, like let them use tech if you want to. So you can tell them like, yes, you can use Google. I sometimes don't if I have a resource that I want them to use. Sure. Um, but great time to use like the black light. So, you know, maybe there's certain letters like circled on the, in one of the paragraphs and they have, maybe it spells something, they have to figure out what that is. Um, and that's a code. So tons of ways. Way to go, Brian. <laughs> it was kind of put me on the spot, but that's fine. I like to, I like the challenge. So. But see, that's all it is, is like just really thinking, thinking about what you want them to do. And although it's, to some of you, you probably like, well, that's really simple. Not when it's, when you're not given it, it is. I mean, it's, it's harder than you think. I have done. So if you haven't used breakout edu, they do have some pre-made ones. Um, that are just generic. They have some science-based ones. I'll tell you this, if you use breakout EDU, there's not a lot of ag specific ones. So if you're gonna, if you're expecting to buy a license to a breakout EDU and, you, and use them, know that you're not gonna use any that are content specific without modifying them in some way, unless you're teaching like an ag biology, ag chemistry, um, you'd have to really modify them. But um, I mean, using them, there's leadership ones. It'll give you an idea of, you know, how to create them. Um, and sometimes just doing them yourselves and setting them up is helpful. Um, Breakout EDU gives you the grade level as well. So you can kind of, you know, search by grade. I have done elementary level breakout rooms with high school kids and they still struggled. So trust me, it might seem really, really simple of a, like a clue or a, a, a riddle, but once, once, uh, once you watch kids start to do it, um, it's harder than you think. So start easier.
is my advice. But before we wrap up, advice that you have for teachers that want to want to do a, an escape room um, in their classroom, but they just don't know where to start. Sure. So kind of like we've talked about, um, start easy, a easy on the students, but also easy on you. If it takes you an hour and a half to set up a 50 minute lesson, it's probably not going to be the best in the long term for you. And so always start easy, even if it's that bell ringer, and you're like, hey, I've got a box in the front of your room. It's time for us to unlock this. Um, and you give them some type of puzzle to put together. Or you give them some sort of crossword or whatever that might be. Um, start easy. And then from there, also feel free to uh, reach out to anybody that you know has maybe some experience. You'll be surprised. There are probably some people even at your school that have these experiences. I know the first time I posted on my Facebook about one of the breakouts that I did, one of our science teachers was like, oh, I actually have all these boxes. I didn't realize like from breakout yeah. EDU, they have already spent that chunk of money that I did not think that we would have had as a school, um, but they had never used them. And so it was a really good way to collaborate there as well. Uh, but then at the end of the day, also remember, it has to be about learning just as much as it is about the fun part. And so definitely make sure that you utilize it as a beneficial resource in that way. Not just the, the you know, here's a way to get candy by saying what your favorite color is sort of thing. But yeah, no, the breakout EDU um, locks are nice because you can change them. Um, which is great because if you buy locks from your hardware store, <laughs> Some of them are like, you can't preset. So they're always gonna be the same code. So make sure when you go to buy locks, you make sure that you can change the codes. Um, sure. And yeah, the breakout EDU ones are nice because if for some reason you forget the code, they do come apart and you can, oh. and you can change them. Um, my biggest advice is that if you, if you have all these materials, whether they're from your hardware store, breakout EDU, keep the codes with the locks because you're going to think to yourself, I'll remember that I did the Scooby-Doo breakout with this, this last time. And then you'll go to change the locks and you will not remember. And now you'll have to like throw the locks away. Um, nope. That stinks. If you borrow your materials out, do the same thing with them. Like tell them, and I even hole punched laminated cards at one point so they they put the card in the lock and shut it with the mm -hmm. with the code put it all in there so that when i went to go make one i knew what code was programmed in there um because i got tired of throwing locks away so if you borrow them out make sure you set some ground rules for the people using your stuff because it gets frustrating especially when you go to set it up the night before um, and then your locks don't work. And now your lesson that you need first period yep. has to change. <laughs> so, <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so yeah, but, I, know, I always change my locks to zero at the end of a lesson. And yes. then I make teachers, they borrow them, also set them back to zero, 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 whatever that is. Um, somebody also told me the directional locks that look really fancy, you can't really change that combination. And so um, that's one that I bought from Lowe's at one point. I was like, I cannot wait to use a bunch of these. A, they're really expensive. That's yes. where like you go up, down, left, right sort of thing. Um, but just keep the code. If you end up buying some of those or get some of those, just keep the code mm -hmm. as it is. So. The breakout EDU directional lock, you can change. Um, okay. Because the, the end spins off and then you pull off the all the plastic pieces so huh. you can change them. Um, so I think you can buy just the locks from breakout EDU. So that's something you can look into um, as well. But 
even simple keys. Um, mm -hmm. You know, maybe it's a question and the kids have to answer it. And when they get it right, you know, give the correct answer to your teacher and they'll hand you something. So you hand them an envelope and in the envelope is the key. Like um, you can do simple things like that too. So um, Brian, if people have questions, they want to brainstorm some breakout uh, or some escape room stuff with you, how can they contact you? Absolutely. So I'm always up for helping people out. And just like now with the creed, I was like, oh, I don't know anything right now, but I definitely want to try this out. So we, uh, you can reach me two main ways, social media. I'm on Facebook. Uh, so you can look me up, Brian Welch. Um, my profile picture will probably still be the same as it is forever, but I'm from Kentucky. <laughs> so when you look up a Brian Welch, it'll be a guy from Kentucky. Um, or you can just email my, my school. Sometimes my school might try to filter you out. Um, so Facebook might be the best. If you just want to send me a message, but my school email kind of long, I believe it'll also be linked as well, but it's brian.welch at hopkins.kyschools.us. Yeah. So we will have in the show notes, the link to um, the don't kill Scooby escape room made by Brian along with his email address. So you have that um, ready to email him with your questions. Um, thank you, Brian, for being here and sharing your passion of escape rooms. No, no, thank you. Absolutely. So it's been a pleasure as always. Uh, for those of you listening, make sure you check out the show notes for Brian's great resources. And like always, like here by the Owl podcast on Facebook and Instagram. And if you have a future topic idea or you want to be a guest on the show, uh, reach out, with, reach out to us. Thanks for hanging out.